CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Good evening, Browns fans. It's Wednesday. It's seven o'clock. It's Ravens week. It's time for OBR Weekly. My name's Barry McBride. Along with me, Mr. Fred Breatham, the legend, our man out in Berea. How's it going, Fred? Going good. We're well, that's good to, go. to hear. Let's, uh, let's rock and roll. Uh, as you know, uh, if you have been watching this program for any period of time, uh, this show is powered by your comments and questions. So hit us up with uh, both or either uh, in the YouTube or Twitch chat room. And we will get them on the air as quickly as possible. We don't have any right now, so you're stuck with what I have to say. But as soon as we get your comments and questions, we will focus on those. If you are coming at us via YouTube uh, on replay or watching us live, please slam that like button and subscribe to the OBR stream as more people are doing each and every day. Uh, it's free. You get rewarded with... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Browns talk throughout the year on the OBR on YouTube for free. If you're on Twitch, feel free to follow and subscribe as well. Uh, and uh, uh, we really appreciate you uh, no matter where you're coming from. All right, Fred, let's uh, let's get, get down to it. Um, very first thing I want to talk about, Deshaun Watson, of course, quarterback. Uh, everybody always wants to talk about the quarterback. Uh, if you... Uh, Leave out that uh, mess with the Colts. Uh, Deshaun Watson, really, with the Titans and the Cardinals, has had two fairly solid games, uh, you know, despite that long stint uh, on the injured, you know, uh, being injured in the middle. But to lead this team to the AFC North Championship and go through teams like the Ravens, he's going to have to step it up a little bit. Um He'll have to put himself in the conversation as one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. And my first question to you, sir, is do you see that as being possible? I do. Um, you know, the, the biggest problem, there was a six-week pause, basically, from the Titans game to the Cardinals game. So, you know, as I wrote today, there's three big questions, you know, about the first one. What, would he be able to go through and finish a whole game? Mm-hmm. He answered that. Second one was, would he be able to make all the throws, you know, including the deep ball? And I think he did. He threw three deep balls. Two of them I felt were on target. And the third one, you know, possibly could have been caught. The Marcus Marquise Goodwin couldn't bring it down. He ended up with a concussion on the play. Yeah. Um, but and you know, and and then the third one would could he take a hit on that shoulder and keep on going, or you know, his running is a big part of his game. So would he shy away from that, you know, getting hit? Well, he ran three times. He got hit pretty hard on a couple of them, and um, he got sacked once, but he got knocked down after he threw the ball five times. So talked to him today. It was Wednesday. He said that really had no ill effects on Monday. 
after the game. He said he felt good, but usually it's the day after is when you feel things. Um, so I think it was a good test. I wrote before the season, before even had any misgivings about an injury, was Deshaun Watson could just play above average and the Browns could get to the playoffs because they just weren't even getting above average quarterback play, you know, but their defense was killing them. I mean, they were with Jacoby Brissetti was playing average to above average, but the defense, you know, kept them out. And so, Mm -hmm. but I said to get to the playoffs, he could play average or a little above, but to go deep into the playoffs, he had to get back to elite. And that was coming from the rusty, you know, starting the season, even if he wasn't ready to go, you know, from the get go. And we were seeing him make progress in that Titans game. You wanted to see him build and then you had the pause. So I think the Cardinals game was a good start. I think we talked about it last week, how I felt it was important that he played in that game to get any rust out and to be ready to hit the ground running so to say against the Ravens, because these are, this is a very big game this week and you didn't want him to just make his debut or return against that Ravens defense. So I think he has the ability to become elite again. And again, though, the way the defense is playing better than I expected, and he really doesn't have to play elite, um, you know, even in the next week or two or three, but some point, if they make the playoffs, he's going to have to win games for them and probably in the regular season. And I think he can do that for sure. Now, in, in terms of Watson's game, you know, we saw him throw the long ball pretty effectively. We've seen him uh, move around in the pocket pretty effectively. Uh, last year, my concern was that he wasn't processing fast enough, you know, from the pocket. Um, he wasn't going through his reads. And I think that that's still a bit of an issue. Is, is that one of the things that you think he needs to improve in order to reach that elite status? Or, you know, what do you think is the magic step he needs to take to get to that top 10 status as a quarterback? Well, I, I do think that, you know, he – he obviously has a good rapport and trusts Damari Cooper, but outside of Cooper, you just don't really see much going on. The dump offs to the running backs seems to have with Najoku a bit, but as far as other wide receivers, I mean, Elijah Moore has some touches, you know, he's third in the team, but I still don't really consider him being in the passing game. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that seems to be, you know, compliment to Amari Cooper where you throw it to Cooper for 20 yards that you come back the next play to, to more for 20 yards. It just seems like it's too few and far between and uh, writing a little bit about that, spreading it around. But I do think the passing, obviously the passing game is at the bottom of the NFL. You know, basically a lot of it is because he hasn't played, right. but you know, they're 28th and that's not going to get it done in a passing league. Yeah. If he can take care of the ball and keep progressing, 
First of all, don't turn the ball over like he did last week as far as taking care of the ball and still use his legs. That keeps the defense, you know, on their heels. It was good to see him run, especially that third and long, 11, and he got 13 yards. So he's showing the elements. He can throw the ball around. But I do think, yeah, maybe maybe quicker uh, reads. I do think with the two tackles, you know, kind of questionable this week, you would think the game plan would be to get the ball out quick. And I haven't been seeing a lot of quick slants. You know, it just mm-hmm. seems like, you know, that would be that would be people's Jones was pretty good at it. it seemed like Elijah Moore would be good with that. If you could hit him with a five, 10, seven yard slant in the seam, he gets a step and he has a chance to go away. So they've done that with Cooper. So the quick, quick hitting passes. And I, I still would like to see maybe a little bit RPOs um, to keep the defense honest with him running. If he can't, mm-hmm. you know, dump it off run and take five, six, seven yards, run into the sidelines. You don't want to take direct hits. And the best way to do that is, you know, go to the sidelines. So, yeah, I think that he's a work in progress, but he's got all the intangibles. It's just a question, you know, of keep ascending. And I think that if he would have kept playing, I would think he'd be to that point now. Mm -hmm. You got a very big, really tough test you know, with the Ravens, but you can look at it as a real gauge. You know, if he comes out and has a, a better game than he had against the Cardinals, I think you, you'd say, okay, you're, you know, then you got the Steelers and mm-hmm. then you got a couple winnable games on the road and, and just keep building from there. So yeah, I, th- I think everything's still there for him, but we certainly have not seen the fireworks that we were talking or told we were going to see, and there's different reasons for it, but I don't know at this point if this, without Nick Chubb and without two tackles, if they've had to adopt on the fly and kind of go back to the two tight ends and maybe more of a uh, more conservative approach to things. But I think they're just game to game planning and trying to find a way to win each week, which is a good thing to do. And if it calls for, you know, 18 of 26 for 200 yards with a touchdown or two and no turnovers, you know, I think they'll take that. Yeah, well, uh, the Browns seem to, uh, you know, be stumbling through the season despite all their injury losses with a winning record. Um, So they're game planning, you know, each game relatively effectively, one would hope. And Stefanski's going to face one of his biggest challenges this weekend, as will Watson, with a very rough uh, Ravens defense, they are tough on every single level. Uh, their front four uh, is uh, uh, impressive. They've got some uh, uh, linebackers who arrange all over the place in, in Patrick Queen, um, making a lot of tackles back there. And then Geno Stone and Kyle Hamilton. And uh, it's just... They're, they're a tough defense, and it's going to be uh, quite a challenge for the Cleveland Browns. In the meantime, as you referenced earlier, there are some uh, interesting things going on with the Browns' offensive line. Uh, James Hudson was practicing at right tackle today. Now, there were a couple of different interpretations of that, right? 
Does that mean Dewan Jones isn't going to play at right tackle because he's injured or because he's moving to left tackle? Uh, there was a lot of uh, question marks over people's heads as that information came out. What's what's the scoop on Hudson practicing a right tackle? Well, he just said he was at his locker, just some off the cuff remarks. He just said that he was practicing right tackle today. He didn't know where he'd play in the game. He was just glad for the opportunity. Then when we got the word that Dewan Jones was on the injury report with a shoulder and a knee, that made sense. You didn't have a right tackle. Mm-hmm. So that's why he was at right tackle. So on the left tackle side, we obviously weren't able to see practice, but I assume that Garen Christian, the tackle, the six-year veteran that they signed to the practice squad last week and then elevated I would guess he would have been the guy that was in the left tackle spot today. And if Jones is kind of questionable, that to me, it seemed like that would be a tough week to make a switch, especially mm. miss practice today. He, even if he practiced tomorrow, that would only be basically one day practicing because Friday's a walkthrough. So I don't know. I, I just, I think they're, they're working um, Hudson you know, both sides, but I think he'll probably put a left tackle, you know, and right. he was there today because that they didn't have Jones. And if they need to play another tackle, the second one, I would have to think Garen Christian would be the guy because the other guy they signed last week, Leroy Watson from mm-hmm. the 49ers practice squad, he's never taken a snap in an NFL game. And I believe he was converted to tackle. So I don't think you want to put a guy out there for his first action in an NFL game like you did with DTR at left tackle against the Ravens. So yeah, I would assume, you know, Hudson's played there in some games. He would probably play left tackle and Jones would play right tackle. Now the last couple of weeks, he's been in the same situation. He's had, a shoulder and he ended up playing the other day he injured his knee as well so I think it's probably he was on the if you looked at my video today on x he was on the stationary bike wheeling away so it looked like it wasn't holding his knee back sometimes the guys that are injured worse don't come out they're in the building so mm-hmm. to me that he was out on the bike was a good thing Greg Newsom was also out there on the side Um, last week. I think he was in the building. So the only guys in the building, I think today were the guys getting rest like miles Garrett and Amari Cooper. I guess if they get rest, they can stay warm inside. Joel (laughs) Batonio. Yeah. You mentioned that you mentioned the cornerback situation. We've now got Cameron Mitchell on the IR with a hamstring uh Newsom obviously doesn't we don't know that his status right he didn't practice today uh he's got a groin injury so behind Ward Emerson we have Newsom and Mitchell both hurting and behind them we've got Mike Ford and uh Calef Halasi I believe uh and uh those two guys are supposed to keep up with Rashad Bateman uh OBJ and Mark Andrews um it's making me a little nervous. Is, has there been any noise about bringing A.J. Green back up? He played some last year from the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, they 
they would probably play more three safeties. It seems like they either play mm-hmm. more three safeties or three cornerbacks or whatever. You got Delpit, McLeod, and and uh, Thornhill. <clears throat> but you know, interesting. You mentioned Khalif Halassi. They picked. He was the one waiver claim at the at the final roster cut, and mm-hmm. they cut AJ Green to pick him up, and then they brought AJ Green back to the practice squad. So that has to tell me they like Halasi better than mm-hmm. Green, and so he's now been here on in practice now for you know, eight games and nine weeks with the bye. So I have to think that they've seen enough of him. They've kept him. They haven't released him when they've had injuries. So I have to think that he would be ahead of an A.J. Green. Mike Ford, I think, would be the first guy um, in at slot because he's a veteran. And, And so I'm kind of thinking Newsom's going to be able to play. We talked to him before practice. He was in the locker room. And usually when those guys are injured, they kind of stay away. But he was sitting at his locker and a couple of reporters went to him and he started talking to him. They're really not supposed to talk if they're injured. And mm-hmm. he said that he feels really good, but it's up to the medical people and the training staff. And how it's, you know, he said, I'm hoping to get out to practice this week, but it's up to the medical people and we'll, we'll see how I'm feeling by game time. So he didn't practice today, which is typical guys that are coming off injury. Thursday would tell me a lot if he's out on the field, even he'll be limited, but I would think then he's probably going to play if he's not there tomorrow then then I don't know if he'd play. You know, they right. may they may play him even if he just played Friday, but it's hard to tell with those type injuries. You really don't know. Can he run or can he, you know? And mm-hmm. um you know they also might have felt like they didn't need to worry about playing him against the Cardinals. Not that they were overlooking the Cardinals, but the Cardinals were a run heavy team. They weren't that much of a passing team and they had a rookie, you know, rookie quarterback and you had MJ Emerson and Denzel Ward. So I think they felt pretty good. And unfortunately Mitchell graded out really well. He's one of the best rookies last week Yeah. during the game. They said he left the game with a shoulder injury and it was, that's what, when they put him on IR, it said shoulder, but then the Browns quickly sent a, clarification said no it's he's going on IR with a hamstring so it must be kind of uh more than just a tweet because that's a four-week minimum that you have to be Mm -hmm. off with a hand with a injured reserve so yeah it's unfortunate but um I, I was thinking about this and you might remember as well when the Browns played the Ravens before do you remember their laundry list of injuries they had like seven or eight starters and a lot of them on defense weren't going to play against the Browns and you kind of thought wow this bodes well for the Browns and they Mm -hmm. they came out and really hammered them so it's the opposite you look at the Ravens injury report I think it had three names today and one of them was rest I think that was Beckham 
and there was only one who didn't practice due to injury. And so, yeah, it uh, maybe the Browns can turn tables. Browns are on the road. Ravens are on the road. You know, so anything can happen. Who knows? But um, the injuries are kind of hitting them now that early in the year, other than the big injury, I mean, the big injury to Conklin and Nick Chubb, Browns haven't been too many on the list. They just had key ones, of course, Deshaun right. Watson. And so, you know, now you got your quarterback back, but you're missing two tackles and your Pro Bowl running back. So not ideal, but not ideal. Well, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have to go in there with who we have. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I still have a fairly decent feeling about this. I think the Browns are going to be competitive, but uh, uh, there's a lot of elements to this game that we'll be talking about here uh, over the course of the next 40 minutes uh, as we get into it. Um, by the way, as the number of people continues to increase who are watching this program, hit us up with questions and comments in the chat room. I've got like seven or eight questions saved up that we can uh, that we can hit up here, and uh, uh, we need more. So uh, keep hitting us up with your comments and questions. I'll stash them away like a chipmunk stashing nuts in his cheek. And uh, that's a strange metaphor. I don't want to see that vision. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, will, uh, we will get to all your questions. Uh, at any rate, uh, Fumble13 wants to talk about injuries. He says, am I just a curmudgeon or are these guys soft? The injury list always seems longer for us than our opponents. And that wasn't true the first Ravens-Browns game, was it, Fred, as you said before? But uh, it always seems that way for your Browns fan, like we've got all these guys injured and nobody else does. Yeah, it goes in cycles. You know, the Ravens had like 20 people on their injuries zip, and everyone's going, man, they're, but they've got them all back, you know, other than J.K. Dobbins. I mean, I think – most all their key guys, you know, have returned um, and they're at full strength. And again, I think the best thing the Browns have going for them right now is the Ravens are on a roll. They're seven and two and the Browns are kind of still under the radar. And sometimes in the NFL, that's what happens. Look at the, the Ravens have kind of been a roller coaster. I mean, mm -hmm. they're seven and two. But they lost to the Steelers, and they mm -hmm. lost to the Colts. Um, you know, how did they do that? You know, that, right. that Steeler game was a typical Steeler game, you know, where one of the, you know, Wide or Heisman strip-sacked them and got a fumble or a turnover late and won the game. Um, I think the Browns might have to win ugly. You know, this might be a defensive battle. I think I really will say the same thing that happened in the first game. The The key is to control Lamar Jackson and not let him right. run luck. And the first game, and I said this on the air, they started DTR. The defense comes out three and out on Jackson and the Ravens. The next possession, three and out Jackson and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. The next Offensive possession, DTR throws an interception. Or it's returned 52 yards to the Browns' 10-yard line. Jackson, right. quarterback, drop the middle, untouched, 10-yard touchdown. Boom. 
their offense was jump started. He was jump started. The Browns were down seven to nothing with a rookie quarterback. And I just think the dauber went down and the defense gave up two long drives in the second quarter. Game was over by halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I asked Anthony Walker about that today. And he said, yeah, you know, we have to stop the bleeding. No matter what happens, if the offense turns it over, we have to get off the field with no more than a field goal. And that was the case, you know, instead of 14 to nothing, or I mean, six to nothing with two field goals, it's 14 to nothing, basically, you know, and right. And the rest of the game was over at that point. And so you can, you can't totally blame it on the offense, but I think the offense went a big, long way in helping the Ravens in that game. 28 to three doesn't look, it didn't, you know, it looks like a lopsided and it was, but I do think that those turnovers, so that's where the turnovers are imperative. Ravens have been living on turnovers. That's why they're seven and two. Browns have got better in the last couple of weeks. So I think it's, you know, who can take care of the ball. The last, I think Jack Duffin, a couple of our people pointed out that JOK has been getting less and less snaps recently. He mm. played 50% of the defensive snaps last week. This is right. where he shines is against Lamar Jackson and kind of containing him. And I asked Kevin Stefanski about that, even though he's been getting less snaps He's played well against the Ravens and Jackson. Do you see him having a, 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 a to be on the field more this week? And he said, you're mm-hmm. right. He has played well against the Ravens, and we look forward to him having a bigger role. So, you know, I think that I said it when they drafted him. If he did nothing more than shut down Jackson, I know one guy can't do it, but contain right. him, not let mm-hmm. him take off on third and 15 and get 18 yards for first down, just make sure that he just throws the ball all game and not runs. I think you have a much better chance. And last week or the last time they played the Browns, why did they get jump started? Because he took off running and got that touchdown and made plays with his legs. So I know it's easier Mm -hmm. said than done, but the Browns just got to keep him in the pocket. He's shown that he can, put the ball on the ground fumbling when you right. put on him and sack him and strip him. So I think they have to do that. You just got to prevent him from making those big plays with his legs. If he makes big plays with his arms from the pocket, so be it. I'd rather him be forced to do that than to run all over the field, you know, cause you know how that ends he either throws mm-hmm. a 50 yard pass or he takes off for a 20 yard run. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with you on the the first Ravens game and our offense basically giving their offense all those opportunities to get their feet under them, right? If you're giving an NFL-level offense opportunity after opportunity after opportunity because you're going three and out and you're turning the ball over, sooner or later they'll get their legs under them, you know, and and that's what the Ravens did. And uh uh, it, it's like our defense was playing against the Ravens offense and our own offense, uh, trying to keep things under control. Um, I expect a much different outlook this time, and hopefully the Ravens are expecting more of the same against the Browns and will be unpleasantly surprised. Um, 
the number of people watching the show continues to mount. So hit us up with your comments and questions and we will go through them. Uh, thank you, Fumble13, for uh, your question. Next one comes from uh, EcoOBR. Uh, anything that you can add um, to our previous discussion, Fred, about the tackle situation against the dreaded Ratbirds? At this point, we're expecting Hudson and Dewan Jones, but if Dewan Jones isn't able to go, basically the expectation would be Christian and then Hudson as the right tackle. Do I have that right? That's what I'm seeing. I mean, earlier they signed a 37, 38-year-old Ty Naseki, who, like a 10-year NFL veteran, had some pretty good, you know, uh, ratings. He's been on the practice squad, but the one game he was activated, he injured his bicep, and he's on the practice squad injured list. I don't know anything about that. There's been no updates on him. But, yeah, they went out and got a couple more guys to the practice squad when he was injured. And one was Garen Christian, who got elevated this week. He's a six-year veteran from Louisville. I think he started 16 NFL games. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they were at left or right tackle. Um, I don't know a lot of, the, of his background. But he has played on several teams, you know, and played in games. So it would make sense that if he's played left tackle, that you put him in there. With the Dewan Jones situation, I think that they might toy with it to move him and try him at left tackle because uh, Hudson played right tackle last year when Conklin got hurt a couple times mm -hmm. and you know did pretty well. I don't know if he's played much at all in a game at left tackle. So, but at this point, it just seems like with Jones nursing an injury, they're just trying to get him back on the field to take an injury and also then put him at the toughest position at left tackle might even be, you know, a tall task to ask. Plus the Ravens, there is some thought that maybe your protection almost needs to be better on the right side, you know, with some of the guys they have coming you know, from the left side over there. <clears throat> so I would say if I had to guess right now, I'm going to assume in Jones plays and he plays right tackle and Hudson plays left tackle. I yeah. think Christian would be the next up for the reasons I said earlier. Leroy Watson's not played in an NFL game. He has to stay on your roster for three games because you signed him off a practice squad. So maybe they know more than, than I do. Um, but that to me would have been the reason you elevated Garen Christian is that you expect him to play if Dewan Jones isn't ready. Right, right. Uh, let's go to our next question. This is from uh, Sancho Bermuda. And uh, Sancho uh, has to say that I read on twi Twitter the old Russell Street report. Hooray for them, another independent uh nfl site good for the russell street report that ravens stadium hasn't been sold out what do you expect for the pro for the ravens crowd on sunday i expect that they'll be annoying and loud what about you fred <laughs> well i didn't i didn't pay attention to that it's hard for me to believe they're not sold out i mean they're seven and two why would yeah. they um if they're not already i would think they would be by sunday 
Um, and if there's seats available, there's a lot of Browns backers and groups over there. In fact, sure I went to Baltimore from drove on the back when the Fox Sports Ohio had a had a bus. I, I made the long trek with a right. busload of Browns fans and we met up over there and had a Brown backer rally. So there's usually a lot of Browns backers, a lot of Browns fans on the road anyway. I would think mm. that any available seating would be scarfed up by brown yep. and orange people. But yeah, I don't know. But I expect that, yeah, they're they're very good at home. They have a very, like you said, obnoxious loud crowd. And they have mm. an obnoxious band that plays and you know, all kinds of things over there that just annoy us. So I think the biggest <laughs> thing to keep them quiet will be to put some points on the board and and silence the crowd don't let them get get that momentum and carry it over usually you get a quick strike and you keep you know keep the pressure on it kind of silences mm. people can only yell so long before they just say all right i'm just gonna rest drink some more beer yeah, yeah they uh uh had uh uh They've had 20, 30 years now to figure out how to when to, to cheer loud when the defense is on the field and to be quiet when the offense is on the field. They got to figure it out now. They'll they'll be loud and it'll be a difficult place to play. Um, but uh, you know, God bless them. Uh, all right. Uh, next question from Gaganess. He says, "Do you think the Browns? Do you think the 49ers game prepared the Browns defense for the type of stuff?" The Ravens will run. Uh, interesting question, uh, Todd Monken, Kyle Shanahan. Monken uh, bringing in a little bit of a different approach. Uh, and uh, you aren't seeing Lamar Jackson take as many as the long deep shots down the field as he used to. Uh, he seems to be playing it a little bit safer, higher percentage passes, things like that. Um, what do you think? you think that... Uh, It'll be similar. Yeah, I mean, he's completing 73% of his passes, so that tells you right there he's taking the the easy yeah. completions. And, you know, and that's a good thing for them. Uh, I think Munkin has, has them spread out a little. They have more like three wide receivers in the tight end to kind of spread things out to, to loosen – so there is more room for Jackson to to take off running if need be and so forth. So, yeah, the Browns, you know, obviously did a good job against the 49ers. I'm sure they'll tweak some things. The Ravens were successful with what they did the last time. The, you know, they come in the number one rushing team in the NFL, about 160 a game. What they want to do is pound the ball, get the lead, you know, and and just let their defense, you know, control it. So I think like the Browns, I think they have to, like they made the effort last week to stop the run. It's all out this week. Like I said, I mean, yeah, Jackson can throw the ball, but I would much rather have him try to throw the ball 40, 50 times in the game than they run the ball 40, 50 times because that probably means – they're getting a lot of having a lot of success and controlling the clock and, you know, in that way. So I just think you have to have all men, all hands on deck 
stop mm-hmm. the run, have have a lot of helmets to the ball, keep him in contain. And the biggest thing is turnovers. I really think it come, will come down to the turnover battle. And, and it's up to Watson, the offense, to take care of the ball. And it's up to the defense to try to get some takeaways because – in, in tight games, this is this is usually the difference. Last week, the first time the Browns won the takeaway battle this season. It's amazing yep. they've won five games out of eight, you know, only winning the turnover battle once when that's the number one statistic, you know, in wins yeah. and losses. Yeah, uh, it's exactly right. And let's hope that Lamar Jackson keeps his uh, tendency to put the ball on the ground. Uh, I think he's fumbled like, 10 times or something like that already. So he likes he, he to run free. with the free, like the ball in his hand, you know, kind of the, I don't, it always seemed like to be the, the loaf of bread kids, sort of thing. The kids in high school that were cocky did that kind of stuff. And <laughs> so it just seemed, I don't know how you can hold on to it when somebody hits you with the force they hit you, but hope yeah. he does it at least one more week. Yeah. Let's relieve him of the pit pigskin. Tonto Bermuda writes, uh, who will, and this is a question I, I told you, I, I wanted to, to talk to you about this. Who will match up against Mark Andrews? I hate that guy in the other big Ravens tight ends, Thornhill or who else? How do we, how do we finally shut down Mark Andrews? You know, now the first game, I, I think he had a pretty good game, but Last year and in previous years with Jackson, that that game that Jackson had four interceptions in the first half, mm-hmm. Ravens still won. It was a real ugly game. The Browns' offense couldn't score. They lost like sixteen to ten or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andrews did nothing. He they had kept him in check quite quite well. And it's the one thing I'm going to bring up. Joe Woods's name, whatever he was doing against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, you know, he did pretty well. Like I said, they only scored 16 points in that one game. I think I watched it with you over at um, an establishment in Rocky River. And, you know, and it just seems like, you know, they were – the defense did their job, but the offense was killing them. Now, in the first game, I think the offense, you know, handed it. But the defense did their part. They gave up, you know, a couple of long scoring drives. So, yeah, I would think that, you know, maybe a, a JOK, if he's not assigned to um, controlling Jackson, could be the guy. Grant Delpit, you need a big physical guy that can, that can go toe-to-toe with Andrews. I agree. If you control Andrews, I think that's Jackson's – safety blanket you know that he knows he can go to him about any time and when the browns had success against jackson and the ravens andrews wasn't much of a factor that 47 to 42 game i remember he was just killing the browns that game you know he Mm -hmm. they would go to him every big play they needed he would get the first down or touchdown or whatever so i hope Jim Schwartz looks at what the Browns did in the past. I'm sure he did and, and kind of adapted to this week. But yeah, to me, other than Jackson, he's the, he's the number one threat outside of the quarterback on that team. Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, 
Uh, that's, uh, he, he always seems to make a big play at the absolute worst time uh, for the Browns. And so uh, I'm, I'm just sick of that guy. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, James Porch asks, Browns need more wide receiver help. Do, do the Browns see any advantage in elevating Austin Watkins to the 53-man roster for more help in that room? Uh, especially, I guess it's a pertinent question with David Bell injured, uh, DPJ off to greener pastures, so on and so forth. Um, any talk of of Watkins uh, returning to the roster? Well, Kevin Stefanski was asked about him last week, and uh, he said they consider all those things. I like our question from the guy I'm going to talk about. If we put an E after his name, Porsche, James Prochet is they elevated him to the active roster. He showed more dynamic in the first game returning punts than anybody right. they'd had this year. Yeah. He had certainly. two punt returns turn called back on penalties, which always happen on punt returns that I don't even think had anything to do with the play. He had a 20 yard return called back and he had a 12 yard return. But ones that did count, he had a 17, a 10. He had like 55 yards, yeah, 55 yards in returns on punt. Right. They elevated him, and he is yep. a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And he was on the Ravens at the beginning of this year. I don't know if he was on the team when they played in Cleveland, but I, I see him kind of being used not only in the return, but also possibly as a wide receiver. One guy you mentioned didn't mention was Marquise Goodwin is in the concussion protocol. Right. And we don't know if he will be even, you know, relieved or cleared from that. So right now, yes, today they were missing three wide receivers. Mari Cooper was getting a rest, but he also had listed as an ankle um, Marquise Goodwin and David Bell. So, you know, Bell missed last week. Goodwin got injured in the game. So I would think Watkins would be under consideration. Um, but they do have Porsche. I think the big question would be Goodwin. If Goodwin and Bell are not available, then then I could see Watkins getting elevated for the game. Um, because, I mean, you're pretty thin. You traded away Peoples-Jones to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's one of the things I was looking, you know, even it could be a story is that Amari Cooper has been Amari Cooper, but he's one injury away from what do you have after him? I mean, there right. is really nobody that you feel like is a, has really been a threat to go to. People's Jones was really a non-factor this year. And mm-hmm. Elijah Moore has a lot of targets and has he's third with like 29 catches, <clears throat> but they're all dump offs or you don't see him really involved. Like I was saying earlier, like a 20 yard pass to Cooper. Now they come back the other way with a 17 yard pass to Moore. It's Cooper or nothing. And right. you, you want yeah, to have a consistent, a consistent guy. Um, obviously Najoku, you know, he's second on the team. And if they'd use him a little more like Andrews is used, you know, you might have your one-two punch in Cooper and Najoku, but they they have to get 
something more out of their wide receivers, especially if they're going to have a, a clicking offense. And it might be a moot point when Deshaun, if and when Deshaun Watson is fully up to speed and playing his game because he's accurate. With Houston, he made average receivers look good, just like Mahomes does. A lot of times you don't even know who their receivers are, but right. they become household names because he gets them the ball. And we haven't really had the chance to see because Watson hasn't played enough in a row to get a rapport and to play well enough to make some of the receivers look good. But I would think Austin Watkins, he made the team for a reason, would be a good option. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's just a preseason hero uh, waiting for a regular season chance. Uh, Rocky Balboa asks, is this the Browns' biggest regular season game in a long time, or are we as fans making too much of it? What do you think, Fred? Is this uh, as big as advertised? Well, it seems like there's been some, you know, it's it's always, you know, the cliche with the players. It's the biggest one because it's this week. Um, no, it, it is a big game. We said the best way to, to ensure yourself to make the playoffs is to win the division. Mm. And I felt at the beginning of the year, if they could come out of the gate, they had three division games. And I thought if they could get two, two out of the three, they'd put themselves in great position. Well, they only got they got the first one, but then they dropped a, a terrible game to the Steelers and then lost to Ravens. But I really think to win the division, you have to win this week and next week. You have to win this week um, because the Ravens, you know, will will run away from the division if they win this week and beat, I think they play Cincinnati on next Thursday. If they win mm. them two games you know, they would be totally in the driver's seat and all the tiebreakers. Right Right. now, the Browns are like a game and a half behind them. But you win this week, you put yourself right back in the driver's seat. You have momentum. The Steelers coming in. I don't think anybody watching this thinks the Steelers have a better team than the Browns. The Browns literally handed that game to Pittsburgh. They got a great defense, but their offense – I like my chances if I'm a Browns fan with this defense going against Kenny Pickett. I mean, he had one play against him the first time when after that third and 10, they gave up Pickens had the 73 yard quick slant, kind of what I've been talking about using Um, and two or three guys missed the tackle and that was it. Everything else was garbage. So I think you got to put all focus to steal a game over in Baltimore this week. Yeah, I I think if they lose, they're playing for the wild card. You know, it's just it's that but simple. I, but I will say this: I wrote a story about the strength of schedule the rest of the way. I know that it changes, but even with a loss this week, they have five wins. Those were very important to get those wins against, you know, the Colts and the 49ers, No matter how mm-hmm. they got them. They have yeah. five wins. If you can get to 10 wins, history tells you you're going to probably make the playoffs. There's only been one team with 10 wins since they expanded in the playoffs, and that was Miami in 2020 was 10-6. and six. They didn't get in. But if, if you can get five more wins, and there's six games that I would say are very winnable, 
on the schedule. And several of them have losing records. They're on the road, a couple of them. But if you can win games, beat teams you're supposed to beat, you're going to get to 10 wins. And you ought to be able to get to 11 wins. And nobody has not made the playoffs if they got to 11 wins. So that's even with a loss this week. But you're going to have to beat the Steelers and then, you know, win some games on the road like the Broncos and the Rams. And Mm. then you set yourself up for the stretch run. You'd have eight wins. Even losing this game, winning the next three, being eight and four, going in the home stretch. I like the chances if you're in that position. But it would go a long way to get a win this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I, I really think if you want to win the AFC North, this is, this is a must have, uh, but uh, you're right. Even if they lose this game, they they are set up well to compete down the stretch. Dom uh, asks, Fred, do you think it's dangerous to use Nick Harris as a fullback since our line is a bit thin? Um so Nick Harris, I I think very cleverly, I, I I like how they've been using him, but it is risky if you lose him, right? Uh, I would agree, but I I think he very well could be right now one of the five best offensive linemen they have, and if mm. that's the case, especially with a question mark at left tackle or right tackle, why wouldn't you want him out there as a sixth? lineman even in place of a tight end because if he can if he can help and you can move him around he's athletic enough to play fullback that's what he's been doing but be like a a better blocking tight end to help out either Hudson or Christian or Jones whoever's out there I think that's a smart move of him yeah you 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 risk injury but you risk that with anybody. If he's one of your best blockers, that's what you need right now. You know, I saw a suggestion about moving him. You know, if he's better, you know, it, I don't know if Posick or he would be better at guard, but even to getting their five best out there, moving some guys around. But I think at this point in the season, that's kind of risky to guys move them all over, move Batonio to left tackle and move you know, post yeah. it to left guard, move Harris right. to center. Um, so I just think that using him would be a smart thing, in my opinion. And if you line him up in several different places, you can get that more more uh, bang for your buck, like as that extra fullback or that extra tight end or, or what have you. All right. Uh, let me uh... – Scratch that one off here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, another one from uh, James. Uh, he says, could this bet- game come down to a battle of dominant kickers on both sides? Justin Tucker versus D-Hop. Um, boy, I don't like our chances if it's uh, Tucker versus D-Hop. Uh, Tucker is just amazing. But uh, Hopkins obviously has had an amazing year. So, you know, bring it on. Yeah, he had a little... Uh... A little hiccup last week. You know, it's interesting. He hasn't missed from over 50. He's like seven for seven. All right. three of his misses have been between 40 and 49. So if you're at 39 in, you might as well have him kick. If he's 50 and over, have him kick. In between, maybe you go for it. I don't know. But right. no, I mean, Justin Tucker's a Hall of Fame kicker. 
Hopkins have been very good, but I don't want it to be a duel of kickers. It could be with a defensive battle. I really think if the Browns defense can control uh, Lamar Jackson, their offense and give them a chance, you know, I, I, I think it very well could come down to a battle of the kickers and special teams, but it's like we said, the Browns made a concerted effort in the offseason, got a new defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and they're either first or third, depending how you what's the most important stat in defense, and they're first or second in special teams. So the two new coordinators have been very, very good, better than expected. To me, it's all on the offense this week. Deshaun Watson and the passing game. I mean, they're 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 ranked down there at the bottom, you know, as far as 28, 29th, you know, in passing, they have to, they have to get it going and be able to put a little fear in the Ravens defense, loosen it up because if they can't throw the ball, I think the Ravens will just totally shut down the running game. The Browns don't have Nick Chubb. Their stats have looked good, but even last week you went over a hundred yards if you looked at the yards per carry, the Browns had 40 rushes and they only averaged like 2.8 yards a carry last week. And Watson, right. you know, his seven yard average, you know, got it, got it up a little bit. So I think one way to, um, to slow down their rush is for Watson to use his legs. Now, I don't want him running into the middle of the field and taking shots by linebackers and defensive backs, but like he did, you know, a a designed rollout five, seven yards and set yourself in second and three, second and four, things like that, I think could go a long way in helping the running game, but they're going to have to be able to throw the ball and make plays, you know, in the passing game. All right. All right. Let's go to this question from Drew in Brick City. He said he asked, "Is the D line rotation running at a higher efficiency than the first meeting with the Ravens?" So has the defense, uh, you know, the front four, front five improved since the first uh, meeting with the Ravens uh, those weeks ago? Oh, I think so. I mean, you've had you've been getting contributions from guys like Maurice Hurst. He's been good all year. The other day, Dalvin Tomlinson just took over the game. The interior mm-hmm. defensive linemen, which ironically a year ago, guys, everybody said we had like the worst, you know, group in the NFL, and you couldn't argue with it. They got pushed right. all over the place. But Shelby Harris, he blocked a pass the other day, had the strip sack fumble, which was, you know, big in the game. Those four guys, and even Jordan Elliott is like stepping up and playing, you know, in the same sentence as Hurst and Harris and Tomlinson. So you have to give the front office a lot of kudos for the guys they brought in. In fact, Siaki Ika, your third-round draft pick, in fact, he's him and Tillman were both third-round, the highest picks you had, can't get on the field because that rotation has been so strong. And that's a good thing because it allows Ika – to develop and learn from mm-hmm. these veterans. So right. oh, I think they've been, they've been very good. They've been better than advertised and, and then it's helped the edge rushers all the way around, you know, 
and they're going to need their best game of the year probably this week. Right. Well, Schwartz is getting, you know, a heck of a lot of credit, and he deserves a heck of a lot of credit for the way this defense is playing. But uh, the job Andrew Berry did uh, during this offseason in uh, upgrading that defensive interior was uh, uh, pretty amazing uh, for what he did and the, and the cost uh, he, uh, he spent to, to do it. Um, one more question here. This comes from Rafa L. He says, any Pierre Strong got so few reps against Arizona. A lot of people know that, but Pierre Strong, pretty good running north to south in, you know, some of our running backs, uh, not so much, a little bit more east to west. Uh, and so there was a lot of enthusiasm for Pierre Strong from certain camps in the Browns fan base, but he didn't get a lot of opportunities last week. And, Simple question. On that, Fred? Simple yeah. answer. He pulled a hamstring. Okay. So he was That's out. why he didn't practice today. He's on yeah, the he's injury report today. with a hamstring injury. And that kind of answered the question. A okay. lot of people thought the same thing, but they didn't announce that during the game. So sometime during the game, you know, he injured his hamstring. And I think that's why he didn't play because he couldn't do, you know, he couldn't run. Right. Right. Uh, let's see here. Um, let, let's go to this question from Gagan since uh, since that one was so easy. Uh, he says, do you think the Ravens are due to come back to earth uh, after their blowout of uh, Seattle and their big victory against Detroit a couple of weeks ago? I think they are. I mean, they've had a – they've kind of, like I said, a roller coaster team. I mean, they lost to the Colts and they lost to the, the Steelers, you know. Um, arguably, you know, those were teams that weren't as good as the Lions and some of the other wins they've had. Um, they're seven and two. Harbaugh does a good job of keeping them, you know, grounded, but just the way it is in the NFL, so many times teams, it's so much parody that I could really mm -hmm. see the the Ravens overlooking the Browns because they play the Bengals, I think Thursday night, you know, four or five game days later. And they may look at that because the Bengals are playing so well as really, you know, the game they have to get ready for. I don't know that, but I do think that at seven and two, they're due to have a comeback to earth moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. And I think you're right as, as well. Um, that uh, they're due uh, <laughs> for a little surprise. Well, just think uh, about this. If you could get put off focus and somehow come out of there, even with an 11, 10 win and beat the Steelers and be seven and three, you're mm -hmm. in the driver's seat now, you know, for the playoffs, but even for the AFC North. Right. And so that's where, but you can't do that unless you get this week's game. So I just think Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff needs to, I know they're shorthanded, but how many mm -hmm. times have you seen shorthanded teams when you think they're done, have no chance? That's when they they step up and have their best game. So that's maybe what they'll come together and do that this week, especially getting embarrassed the first time. If you look at their schedule, sure, they got embarrassed the way the Steelers game went, but they weren't really embarrassed – on defense in any game this year, except 
the Ravens, Ravens game. game. Yep. I mean, they gave yep. up a lot of yards against the Colts, but they made plays with the defense getting block kicks and, and interceptions and turnovers and strip sacks and basically won that game. So mm-hmm. I think the defense, I could tell, you know, talking to Anthony Walker today that Schwartz has been goading them about that. And the thing I like about him, he's a guy that knows how to push the buttons and get these guys ready to play. I, I just think if there's ever a week they're going to be ready to play, it's going to be this week because I just think uh, Jim Schwartz doesn't play the game. But I just think he's going to really hone in on how they got embarrassed last time. All right. I I hope I hope you're right, and I think you're right once more. Uh, one last quote. This is from Zeke Dog. Uh, I ran the food service in Baltimore when it opened, and Baltimore fans are nothing like Browns fans. They don't live and breathe football the way Browns fans always have. I had to read that because I'm always big on Ravens slander, Ratbird slander. Bring it. Bring it, well, my friend. You know what? They they lost the Colts for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and – that that's probably something to say with it. But as far as um, I'll say one thing before we go 30 years to go today, Bernie Kozar was cut by the Browns. I was at that mm-hmm. press conference. I was in Berea that day. It's still surreal how they were fi- forcing that down our throat because at the time Vinny Testaverde was injured and, yeah. and they cut him and we're telling us that Todd Philcox was a better option. Because if you remember that Sunday, they went out and played the Seahawks. And I remember the Mm. game vividly. Browns had the ball in like their two-yard line, and he fumbled the snap. Seahawks like recovered it in the end zone. Game was over like in the first or second play of the game. (laughs) So that was 30 years ago today. And you could say that set the tone. (laughs) That set the tone for everything that's happened with Bernie getting cut, and mm-hmm. the anti-Belichick, the anti-Modell, and him moving to Baltimore, and the Browns getting the crap they've had for 30 years. It's all Baltimore's fault. That's the real <laughs> Browns over there. And I right. think the reason Browns fans are guarded for this game, Barry, is because you get up for a big game, and time and time again, they've lost these games every time there's been a big game. Mm-hmm. Other than the Steeler playoff game, I can't think of any that they've won in recent history. So that's why I think everybody's guarded about being enthusiastic about this week's game. Uh, I think this year may be weird. This year may be different. We've put up with this for 30 years. We're due for a special season. Let's hope it's happening in 2023. On that note, Fred and I will see you again next Wednesday to talk about what happened against the Ravens and to look forward, if one can say such a thing, uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers game uh, the week after. Uh, We look forward to that. We look forward to this game on Sunday. For Fred Breatham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week on OBR Weekly. Good night. Thanks, everybody.